Good evening, everybody. I'm, I know we're getting an early start on this at 6.30, and we, we needed an early start time because we needed to pre-record this segment to share with you some things that we wanted uh, to have everybody know. And then we're going to segue into the live segment. Uh, tonight, I'm going to be in San Diego at the 412 Church with Tim Thompson, Pastor Tim Thompson. And we'll give you the link to that. And so at 7 o'clock, you can watch me and Pastor Tim down in San Diego. So it's kind of a twofer tonight. So uh, with what we have right now, I wanted to walk you through some stuff. David and I put it together for you uh, before we transition into the connection for the live stream in San Diego. So uh, before we get into the stuff we put together, we wanted to remind you that we've got the free Burma Rangers. Uh, they're going to be on our live stream. Have we set the date on yeah, that Yeah, uh, they're going to be on Monday. Monday. And, and thankfully, I'm glad you guys put this, this slide up because... Take advantage of watching this movie before they come. It, 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 it's an amazing movie. Yep. If, if you watch this movie, which I have, and it's, one of, it's probably the best movie I've seen all year. Amazing. And you, you, you hear about this couple, and then they're going to be on our live stream on Monday. So yep. there it is. Uh, you, can, you can check that out, watch the movie, purchase it, and then Monday they'll be on. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, we have George Barna, who's going to be with us, uh, the Barna Research. Really cool guy. He'll be with us. Uh, we've got... Oh, Charlie Kirk is coming to church on Sunday, and he's going to be uh, taking the pulpit. So, of course, my hearing's going to be Friday. Charlie's going to be preaching on Sunday. It's going to be a banner week, so lots of stuff happening. I wanted to make sure that uh, we connected with you uh, before we transition to the live stream. Which is a good reminder, since that hearing's going to be on Friday, you'll probably be doing a live update. So remember that subscribe button. Remember the bell because we'll probably alert you Friday afternoon and you're going to want to know exactly when it happens. So hit that subscribe button, hit the bell, and you'll probably get alerted Friday, I yeah. assume. We'll give you an update as we get it uh, from the courthouse. And I'll be live in person there at the courthouse. And then as soon as we figure out how the county wants to proceed, uh, we'll give everybody an update. But we're counting on Charlie Kirk being here for Sunday to be preaching all three services. So let everybody know. Uh, he's Everybody comes out in droves when, when Charlie speaks, and yeah. they should. Uh, David, you wanted to lead us off tonight because it ties into the stuff I wanted to share. Yeah. And we haven't touched on this in a while, yeah. um, the, the fear and greed index. Yeah. And I want to talk about the Franklin Templeton study, which yeah. is fascinating. Everyone has to see it because it ties into what we're dealing with in the county and kind of the perception of the community and kind of how we're torn as a community. And where does that come from? Right. But let's begin with the fear and greed index. Okay. So we haven't talked about this for a while, and this is the people's perception of the market. It has seven different ingredients. We're not going to go into it. But when we started this and looked at it at episode six, yeah. what, four months ago, it was somewhere around uh, about uh, 20. 22, 20, something Yeah, like that. somewhere yeah. around in there. And now it's almost all the way, if we can go to the next slide, you can see. Look at how it's gone since the time we started doing the live stream. We're yes. almost at the top uh, at, at 80. It's almost yeah. fully recovered to where it was at the beginning of the year. We, started, we started at the bottom at 2020. I mean, that's January. Yeah. It, it, just, it, it, it just plummeted. Yeah. And now you see that rising, um, and it's almost up to the regular level before 
the virus hit. Yeah, I get a lot of emails and texts asking. That, that's the main reason why we revisited. We did such a great job last night answering people's questions. That was one that I've been getting a lot. So it was nice to just revisit. I don't know uh, if we did a great job answering the question, but we did a great job of, of repeating the questions they asked. <laughs> great. That's what we get for starting earlier in the day. He's a lot more alert. Okay. <laughs> a lot more jokes here to come. <laughs> but it, it, that's uh, uh, where we're at. We're going to see what happens with the election, but it has really come back. And all those people that said thankful, uh, thank you for staying in the market yep. because they, they got to understand this. I, I appreciate the feedback because you got rewarded by staying in the market and yeah, knowing nobody, what was going on. So I appreciate that feedback. Good job, everybody. All right, so along the lines of really where we are as a community divided over the data, the Franklin Templeton study is, they don't have a dog in the fight. This is right. not a political study. This isn't right or left. This isn't Democrat, Republican. Yep. Yep. This is strictly looking at the market, which when you look at the fear and greed, that's, that's just everyone's perception across the board, regardless mm -hmm. of political affiliation. That's mm -hmm. how people feel. That's what's so fascinating about that fear and greed index. Right. It, it's just, it, it just reflects on the emotions of the general populace. People vote with their dollar. Right. They vote with where they're going to invest, and they vote with their dollar, and that's all it's doing. And, and this is why I'm so excited that you're tuning in, because, and we wanted to do this before we transition to the live stream in San Diego. I, I, wanted, I, I wanted folks to see that this Franklin Templeton study is not political. Right. But it answers so many questions of what we're dealing with as a community, and even the county. I mean, how people can look at one thing and see something and people look at something and see something totally different. Right. And, right. and at, where does it come from? So the Franklin Templeton study just came out. It's a fascinating study. And their conclusion in the first round of their study, interestingly enough, the first round of the Franklin Templeton Gallup Economics of Recovery study has already yielded three powerful, surprising insights. One, Americans still misperceive the risks of death from COVID-19 for different age cohorts to a shocking extent. Two, the misperception is greater for those who identify as Democrats and for those who rely more on social media for information, partisanship, and misinformation to misquote Thomas Dolby are, blind, uh, are blinding us from science. And three, we find a sizable safety premium that could become a significant driver of inflation as the recovery gets underway. Yeah, and... And look at that point, too. I want to remind what Rob already said. This isn't a politically driven uh, uh, study at all. They, they surveyed 10,300 people. This is the solid information. So even though that point, two might look like it's a political thing, it's not. And These then, guys have no horse in the game. And then point three, we find a sizable safety premium that could become a significant driver of inflation as the recovery gets underway. I'm not going to cover that a lot tonight, but because of this, people are fearful and, and they're unwilling to return. And that's what's going to create a, dry, a, a demand in the market. And they're expecting. Well, and that one, if you, it, you could do a, a Google search on this particular uh, study and the it's Franklin basically. Templeton. Yeah, Franklin Templeton study. And it's basically people are willing to pay a premium for the fear that they have built in. So they're willing to pay an extra $200 for an airline ticket to be farther spaced apart. Right. So that's what they're talking about, the safety premium um, that's driven by fear.
but it's going to be a driver of inflation uh, as a recovery yeah. attempt yeah. because it's going to that is going to result in less jobs and and some of the more perilous employment areas of our economy are going to be devastated. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to start looking for uh, economists to come in and talk about money supply, inflation, we'll get that, uh, yeah. debt. We're going to do that sometime, so look yeah. forward to it. All right, let's, let's get to uh, these, these two points, the misperceiving the risk of death from COVID-19 for different age cohorts, uh, and, and that's evident to a shocking extent. And then the misperception is greater for those who identify as Democrats and for those who rely more on social media for information uh, there's partisanship and misinformation. So just, just take a look at this first graph from the Franklin Templeton study. Fear of health consequences from COVID-19 versus actual mortality data by age bracket. The share of respondents worried for serious health effects from coronavirus compared to deaths reported by the Centers for Disease Control. So if you look at the age groups, 18 to 24, they're scared to death they're going to die. But the reality is 0.1%, and even with those, severe comorbidity with the younger, and we've even been researching that. Then you go to the age group of 25 to 34, and they're really scared. 67% of them just fear devastation from this. And then it's, the reality is less than 1% die. Yeah. Then you get into the 35 to 44, and the perception is even higher at 68%. And they're still down to 1.9% of those who've died. And those who've died in that category are high comorbidity. And then you get to the 45 to 54, and they're, they, they're a little bit more reasonable. They drop a percentage point from the 35 to 44, but there's still great concern in, in almost approaching 70%. And yet, even in that age bracket, uh, that's, that's what, 5 yeah. just reaching 5% of, of a death rate or death in that category of that age group. But then you get into folks that are going, well, I'm not 65 and older and there's a fear index. They're almost approaching 70% and yet 12.2% of them have died. And in all those age groups, it is a severe comorbidity. Yeah. Very seldom do you have someone, it's so rare that somebody dies uh, in these age groups, 64 and younger, uh, and, unless there's been a comorbidity issue. Co yeah. Comorbidity. I yeah. hope I said that right. But then look at the age group, uh, 65. They're the ones that are the most sound. They kind of have a good bearing on where life is. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. 77.6% uh, are prepared after you get over the age of 65. Every day is a gift. And then the mortality rate, uh, or those that have died, it, 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 now, those, not 80% of those in that age group have died. It's 80% of the total deaths of covid are found in that age group. Group, yeah. And here in California, uh, over 40% of the deaths in California have been in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Yeah. You take that out, and the percentage drops dramatically yeah. uh, for danger to the general populace. Now, so that would be a good way, to, uh, you know, in, in Ventura, we're at 92 deaths. So 80% of 92 or somewhere around Yeah, 80% of those are, are, are yeah. you know, 70, 65 and older. Yeah, so like 75 people. Yeah. So Then we go into this statement by the Franklin Templeton survey. They, they pointed out these results are nothing short of stunning. Mortality data have shown from the very beginning that COVID-19 virus age discriminates with deaths overwhelmingly concentrated in people who are older and suffer comorbidities. This is perhaps the only uncontroversial piece of evidence we have about this virus. 
Nearly all U.S. fatalities have been among people older than 55, and yet a large number of Americans are still convinced that the risk to those younger than 55 is almost the same as to those who are older, and it's just not the case. Look at this graph. Share of COVID-19 deaths by age uh, and beliefs versus the actual data. Estimates of distribution of COVID-19 deaths reported by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. So this is the idea that deaths by age, the beliefs of how many they think have died in that age category and how many have died. So for 24 and below, they believe 8% of the deaths are 24 and below. In reality, it's less than 1%. 0.2. Yeah, 0.2. And, uh, and then you look at uh, 25 to 34, they think almost 10% of, the pop, uh, of, of those who have died of, of COVID are in that age group. The reality is it's point, you know, it's less than a percent. <laughs> yeah, well, less than a percent, yeah. Point seven, seven tenths of a percent. 35 to 44, they think 11% of the total of who have died from COVID are in that age bracket, and it's 1.9%. 45 to 54, they think 13.2% have died, when in reality it's 5%. And again, 54 and under, it's all core morbidities. Yeah. It's just not at all. Yeah. Lion's share, easily 90%. Even getting to 55 to 64, you're still dealing with high core core morbidity. But they perceive it to be 18.5%. In reality, it's 12.2. And then... Then they get all optimistic. Then they get optimistic, (laughs) yeah. Most people are pessimistic, and then the older folks get optimistic that they're going to beat this. And um, and age 65 and older, uh, the the perception is they think about 39% of of their age group has died of this. Well, it's 80% that's um, 65 and older that have died of COVID. The the, the deaths of COVID, 80% of the deaths of COVID have been 80% in this category. Age 55 and older, uh, that's at 57.7%. And the reality is, if you go 55 and older, that Yeah, that, they encompasses, just com- that last one just combined yeah. some of the brackets together. And that combines 92% of all deaths of, uh, of COVID. And the lion's mm-hmm. share are 65 and older with comorbidities. Yeah. If Look you, at that. I mean, it's yeah, so, yeah, so it's, deceiving, so yeah. overwhelming. And they, when you read this article, the, they started off with the fact that we're four and a half, five months in, and the data is still not being interpreted and portrayed correctly. And yeah. that was the whole purpose of the study is to say, guy, we're five months in and we're still... The, the, we still have this misperception. Yeah. And it's the way that the data is presented. I love right. how you segued into that. The way it's being presented and the way you're getting it and the way people, media, et cetera, is presenting it to you, it's creating this misperception. It's creating this, this fear and, and this complete confusion. And I'll, I'll show you. This is what the Franklin Templeton study said. Read this. Our susceptibility to how the information is presented also plays a role. The same data can be portrayed in different forms on a graph, some reassuring and some alarming. Our study finds that how the data are presented has a very strong impact on people's attitudes. For example, respondents who were shown COVID-19 cases, uh, trends for Texas and Florida in isolation, were much less willing to reopen schools and businesses than those who were shown the same trends compared to New York 
and more alarming graphs tend to be used more frequently as they generate more engagement, especially for the media, you get more viewers. Now, if we can screen back to me, I just want to simply tell you that we have these graphs side by side. The top graph you're going to see momentarily is a comparison of Florida and Texas uh, for their average seven-day um, deaths by COVID. And when you look at that top graph and you see the average seven-day deaths and you say, there's no way we want to open the schools, look at those graphs. But then when you take the Florida graph and, and you compare it, and the Florida graph is the highest one in the first graph. If you take the Florida graph and you compare it with New York and you see the comparison, you can see how data is presented, how it can scare you or comfort you. So take a look at this. The top graph is a comparison of Texas and Florida. You look at that. Average daily over a seven-day period of deaths, you're saying, my goodness, why would we open the school in Florida? Look at the spike in deaths. And then you compare Florida with New York in that same seven-day period. And you're like, huh, let's open the schools. Yeah. It's how the data is presented. It's got everyone paralyzed in fear. And these were the conclusions of the study. They said, for the last six months, we have all read and talked about nothing but COVID-19. How can there be still such a widespread fundamental misunderstanding of the basic facts? Our poll results identify two major culprits, the quality of information and the extreme politicization of COVID-19 debate. People who get their information predominantly from social media have the most erroneous and distorted perceptions of the risk. Those who identify as Democrats tend to mistakenly overstate the risk of death from COVID-19 for younger people much more than Republicans. Yeah. Now, that's partisan. And if you're telling me it's not a political issue, it is. Yeah. The data is evident. It's created a vision in our community. I don't want it to be partisan. I don't want to be Republican or Democrat. I want our county to open. Now... We have been told by the previous judge that on a scale of 1 to 10, we were a 10 for greatest danger in the community. This next judge is allowing us to have a hearing. I get to meet my <clears throat> accusers in person. It's going to be an interesting day. Um, we'll get a chance to present ourselves. But on the next graph that I'm going to show you, this is off the vcemergency.com website. Now, mind you, we have been wide open since May 31st. No masks, no social distancing. Ionization units, UV lights in our air ducts, hand sanitizer, but masks and social distancing are not conducive to what uh, we call community, immunity by community, worship. Yeah. This is a fellowship. So we don't have masks because we've seen no data to confirm that. We don't have social distancing because we haven't seen data to confirm that. Not Republican, not Democrat, data. We right. haven't seen it. We have seen with ionization machines and UV lights and hand sanitizers, washing your hands, very important. And, and so wide open, zero cases. Again, in the 91320 zip code where the church resides, the lowest number of cases of any residential area in all of Ventura County. No reported cases in our church, and yet we're still at 10. Now I want to show you this graph. This is the vcemergency.com. Uh, this is their graph. This is... COVID cases by lab collection and date. And at the very beginning of the rise of that curve, you find May 31st. It's the, it's the very beginning rise of the curve. May 31st. There we are. Sure. We, we open wide. The doors open wide. 
And then testing becomes the, the centerpiece for California. Anytime you go in for any type of procedure, you go anywhere, you want to go back to work, everybody and their grandmother is testing you. You've got to swab up your nose every time you move in the county. And of course, the positive cases begin to rise. Rise. Positive cases, testing everywhere. They begin to rise. And all through that, that enormous mountain, and now the decline in the mountain, and we come down, and it's precipitously dropping. We have 817, August 17th data, three new cases in the entire 850,000 citizen county population. We have three new cases, and we have been testing, crazy testing. We have three new cases. That entire mountain, that entire beginning and rise and, and fall, and through that entire time, we haven't had one case, but we are a 10 out of 10. In a different way of saying that, you've quoted it before, one one hundredth of 1% is the death rate in Ventura. That is not a partisan number. That comes off of the VCR emergency. emergency. That is a factual number. Rating somebody on a scale of a 10, that's an uh, opinion. Let's go further with this. Rating us a 10 on a scale of one to 10 as far as danger to the community going through that entire mountain of testing and not having a single... Okay, of the 15% of the population of, th uh, of, of Ventura County that we've tested, 15%, if you're doing polling data, that is an enormous number. What it says is nothing's going to change. Those 15% of the population tested, you project that out, it, that's the numbers we have, that's where it's going to stay. Yeah. So we've tested 15% of the population have been tested for COVID. We've seen the rise and the fall. And of... The 15%, which is 150,000 people in our community that have been tested. There's a little over 9,000 that have tested positive. We haven't even had a positive. Many of our congregations have been tested. No one's been positive. So, so of the 150,000 that have been tested, 15% of our community, uh, 9,000 positive. Of the 9,000 positive, the death rate for those is still less than 1%, maybe, maybe 1%. You have 1% of those who tested positive. Yeah. You can test positive and 80% of the people don't even know they have it. Not only has no one died, not only has no one even experienced COVID, no one's tested positive for COVID with all the testing and we're still a 10 out of 10. I'm glad that we have a new judge and we have a hearing on Friday and we're looking forward to your prayers. And so uh, we're going to segue. We've got to conclude because I went over. And uh, we're going to go, what we're going to do is we're going to show you up on the screen how to link in to uh, the live stream with my buddy Tim Thompson at his church in Murrieta. And that will be live. This was pre-recorded. And I'll probably be a little more tired in this next one. But right now I feel great. <laughs> God bless you guys. Keep us in prayer. Friday's coming up tomorrow night. George Barna, lots of good stuff coming up. And this Sunday, Charlie Kirk. God bless you all. Good night.